You're listening to Dairy Voice by Dairy Business News, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry. One of our sponsors of the Dairy Voice podcast is National DHIA. NDHIA ensures information accuracy and represents their members' interests. They are the direct voice for the dairy information industry. To find out more, go to dhia.org. When your goal is to help animals reach their full potential, health matters. Diamond V offers a fresh perspective on animal health, a perspective that supports gut health, strengthens immunity, and ultimately enhances performance. For those who choose to invest in keeping healthy animals healthy, Feeding Diamond V makes a statement about another dimension of profit, where margins are measured by confidence in your future. To get a fresh perspective, visit diamondv.com, because animal health deserves a healthier approach. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in your day. Welcome to the Dairy Voice podcast by Dairy Business News. I'm your host today, Connie Cooper with Seal Pro Silage Barrier Film and Connor AgriScience. I invite you to like and subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode and share it with your friends. And you know, even your non-farm, non-dairy friends, I guarantee they will learn something new. And that's our aim with Dairy Voice Podcast. Today's topic is a sore subject. It's a perennial hot topic, one that we as a dairy industry fight every day, and it's called mastitis. So my guests today are Mary Ellen Charter with Dairy One and Larry Lightfoot and Ben Sanchez with Lightland Farms. So welcome to the Dairy Voice podcast. Mary Ellen, let's start with you. Tell us about yourself and how you got to this point in your career with Dairy One, and maybe tell us a little bit about what Dairy One is. Hi, Connie. Thanks for having us today. Start off a little bit with Dairy One and a little history on Dairy One. Uh, We are celebrating our 75th anniversary this year, and we began primarily as a milk testing organization uh, for farms. Since then, we have evolved to help farms in many ways. So we can help farms with networking, cameras, computers, tags, software, soil sampling, forage sampling, animal health diagnostics, and we continue to provide the monthly milk sampling services for farms. So I grew up on a dairy farm in the Finger Lakes, and then I uh, went to work at a vet clinic in the Finger Lakes for about 18 years, and then recently came to Dairy One. I'm currently helping farms at Dairy One with their milk quality issues. Where are the Finger Lakes, for those who don't know? In between central and western New York, in between specifically Cuga and Seneca Lake are where the Lightfoots are located and where I worked. Now, Ben and Larry, they work with Lightland Farms. And Ben, let's start with you. Can you introduce yourself and tell us about yourself a little bit and what you do at Lightland? I work for Lightland Farms for 18 years right now. So I am a hair manager and also a parlor supervisor. Okay, very good. Go ahead, Larry. Tell us about yourself. I'm Larry Lightfoot. Um, I'm involved with Lightland Farms. It's a partnership between two brothers and myself. We are a sixth-generation dairy farm at this point in time, and uh, we milk about 750 cows. We also farm about 1,400 acres. Let's just dive into this uh, topic here. So, Larry, What can you tell us about the goals that you had when it came to mastitis management and some of the background of your herd? 
years ago, and I must say, uh, about the time Mary Ellen came to our area, I was, we had a herd of cows and we had quite a few mastitis cows. So the one big thing that I noticed was that we just were throwing away a lot of milk that were, was unsaleable from either sick or treated cows. Mm. And so I approached Mary Ellen to see if we could do something about that. At the same time, our milk cooperative, at the time we were with a small cooperative in Western New York, and they were offering a dollar premium if we could get our somatic cell count below 100,000. I said, let's let's try and develop something and so we can try and achieve, you know, a couple of those things, you know, less, less sick cows mm-hmm. and also try and capture that dollar premium. California Bioenergy is a leading developer of dairy digesters in America. With more than 100 projects, over 50 of them operational, CalBio has the expertise to help your dairy generate revenue by capturing methane and creating renewable vehicle fuels. Founded by a dairy farmer, CalBio considers itself the most dairy-focused digester developer, building systems to last generations, along with your existing family-owned operation. Now expanding with its subsidiaries, Northwest, Midwest, and Southwest Bioenergy, CalBio is ready to serve you. To learn more about how a CalBio digester could benefit your dairy, manure, and wallet, visit them at calbioenergy.com. All right, so so that was that's a that's a big goal to have. What tools did you use to get ahead of the the problem or to solve the problem? So this was really interesting. We we actually developed the team, but it wasn't official. It it was kind of like I've asked certain people to do certain things to help. I asked the milk inspector to kind of monitor our quality numbers. Okay. Mary Ellen developed the protocols to kind of help to start the program out. Our vet, you know, with helping treating some of these cows and then our equipment dealer with mm-hmm. monitoring the equipment in the parlor. We're still throwing away milk. And this came about, sometimes you go to solve a problem and you actually solve two problems without realizing it. At the time we were paying a lot of money for milk replacer. At the same time, we were throwing away a lot of unsaleable milk. So what we did, we purchased, and I think it was in 2014, a milk pasteurizer. Okay. And what we did with that is we took unsaleable milk and put it in there and fed calves with it. And then we didn't have to buy a milk replacer to do that. So, yeah. so, so that's essentially what we did. And Dairy One did, we had them come in and do some milk sampling to kind of identify the high somatic cell count cows. So Mary Ellen then took that information and approached the, the our veterinarian at the time, Dr. Coco, to maybe do some cultures or culturing or, or something on that. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, I had four different people working on things, but all of a sudden, they all started coming together where they started working together on some of this stuff. And so essentially, a team developed without officially developing a team. And it worked out great. It just happened kind of organically how it it just (laughs) it fell together. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. We call it morphing, morphing into each other. (laughs) There you go. Mary Ellen, from your perspective, what did the herd look like when you came in and to to give them a hand? and, And how long did it take for things to turn around? 
Uh, when I met Lightfoots, they were a very well-managed herd. Uh, there weren't a lot of train wrecks or disasters, but we were just missing, you know, our top-level premium. So we just had a little tweaking to do. I think a lot of herds in general underutilize their records, and there's a lot of information in their records that they can get from DHI testing and trends that we can see as a herd. So we took a look at the records and found which area where we were a little bit off the mark and focused on that area specifically, again, using the monthly testing results to narrow down the herd into individual cows and find those problem cows. I think Every year, their goal continues to, um, they raise the bar higher and higher and to get their bulk tank somatic cell lower and lower. So we've just been continually raising the bar for them and they've been reaching that bar. Have you run out of silage, had to buy expensive, marked up feed to fill the gap? Maybe production's dropped due to lower dry matter intakes. Are molds or mycotoxins creeping through your piles or bunkers and pitching the rot is a dangerous pain. Oxygen is the enemy. Pack it out, then keep it out with Seal Pro, the professional grade silage barrier film protection chosen by top professional farmers like you. Make more, better, safer silage with Seal Pro. Learn more at sealprosilage.com. It sounds like with that team of uh, that informal team that you were able to kind of take a step back and look on a big picture. And that that is a, one of the things that really helped, it sounds like. Is that correct? Yeah, it's uh, definitely a whole herd uh, from nutrition to bedding to veterinary. It's not just one one person uh, from the whole team on the farm and all the consultants working together. Um, we each attack the problem in a different perspective, but we all need, we work, all work together to, for the ultimate goal of the farm of reducing the bulk tank somatic cell and the profitability and sustainability of the farm. So it's great when all the consultants can work together, coming from each of their own perspectives and their own expertise and come together for the benefit of the farm. For our people that are listening that might not understand what somatic cell count is, could you give a brief explanation of what that is? Uh, the body has uh, kind of like an army of cells that when bacteria come into the udder through the T-den, the body sends out these cells to attack the bacteria and engulf them. They're kind of like the, the body's army cells. They come and are sent to the udder to engulf the bacteria. And then when during DHI tests, some of those um, somatic cells come out into the uh, milk sample that we take and we can measure the somatic cells. So basically the more bacteria that are in the udder that enter through the teat canal, the more somatic cells or the higher the somatic cell level will be of the individual cow's sample that's taken that month. Mm -hmm. So then we can use a cutoff level of 200,000 is, is kind of what we consider healthy. And above 200,000, we know the cow has an infection with bacteria because there's more somatic cells in the udder. And then we can go culture those cows, CMT, and culture those cows to find out what bacteria they have and treat accordingly. Larry, what changes did you work on with your team and, and with Dairy One to implement this plan? And then I'd like to hear from Ben's perspective too. First of all, Mary Ellen taught me how to use the records Okay. in a way that we kind of saw some problems. We could identify problems that really that we could fix very easily, uh, such as uh, we would see some cows that were maybe borderline production levels. 
and would probably would go would be better off not being in the herd anymore or identifying cows that had chronic issues. We developed a more of a plan on changing the way we looked at the records and plans for these cows. The other thing was we monitored the milking process, the actual what our team was doing in the parlor. It looked to me like there were quite a few differences. I have eight people that milk cows and it looked like I had eight different ways of milking cows. And so we knew we had to do a different milking process. I think that one of the things we did was uh, develop protocols. And Dr. our veterinarian, Dr. Coco, and uh, Mary Ellen developed these protocols. And we had it made into a, an organizational chart type of deal on how to exactly milk the cow in our, our parlor. Okay. And although it isn't perfect, it's close to it. Well, you know, we're never going to ever be exactly perfect, but we do the best we can with what we have, right? So Ben, from your perspective, when these changes came about, how were you able to implement them with the people that you manage? Right now, what I'm thinking is like, uh, keep following the protocols, keep with the CMTs and also check it ends and work together like a team, like how we, we, we were working, so... Did you have trainings did that, that, that you had everybody together or did you train them individually or how did you do that? Also, every month we have a, a one person come to the farm and talk with us about a little everything about mastitis, cows, uh, cows health. We can say every month we have like training. And what do you, what happens if, if you, are you able to discuss with your milkers, if somebody is not quite following protocols, how do you handle that? I, I can talk with him and show how the protocol and show by showing him like in person. Ben, what are yep. some things that you had lo- have, have learned along the way in this whole process of, of um, paying more attention to mastitis? The first thing I learned is uh, have a better observation, observation of um, uh, other cleans, dry bedding in the stalls, overcrowding pens, clean alleyways. So it's, it's small things makes a big change. Larry, um, what did you learn along the way here in this process? You have a little different perspective. I would agree with Ben. There's one thing that we went a step further, and that's also with guidance from the team was we did, just didn't pay attention to what was going on in the parlor. We were, they wanted to, to do the total places where the cows go. Mm-hmm. And so the freestyle care seems to go a long ways. That's what we found out. And also just like hand scraping certain areas where manure might gather with trying to keep cows clean. It just seems like that, that made a big difference. The other thing, and this is something that happened to us because of COVID, coming along too. the last couple of years when COVID hit there some milk plant shut down our our milk market is dairy farmers of America they put in a base program of 85 percent so unless we wanted to pay the penalty on it which is was very steep at the time we switched from three times a day milking back to two times a day milking uh, because at the same time, we had a milker, uh, two milkers leave to go back home to South America. We did that. And at the same time, when I contacted 
Mary Ellen and our vet and Malk Inspector equipment dealer, our team, we were all kind of skittish about it because we thought we'd see a, a downward trend on our milk quality. Actually, after a while, we looked and milk quality actually got better. Hmm. So what we thought was happening was our milking team was actually trying to keep things even better by spending more time cleaning. And they had the time because of the one less milking. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. So two years later, program wasn't nearly as steep as it was as far as percentage goes and as penalty goes. And so what we did with that was we went back to three times a day milking because our also our cash flow was starting to be strained. When we did that, I go, well, something's going to happen now. And it just, it just never affected it. We always still had low somatic cell count. And actually, it surprised me, the production of the milk, because I thought it'd take a couple months for them to come back on production, and it took them about seven days. Oh, wow. Seven days. It was shocking. I, I was shocked by it. So that was one thing I learned along the way. But the other thing is that each person might have done something a little bit different, and one solution to a problem doesn't fit everybody. Right. So, we had to go about different ways of, of solving problems. So, so Ben, during that whole time, did you, uh, other than the two that had left at, at during COVID, did your milkers and your staff on your on your 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 people that are working for you on your farm, did that stay the same, or did you have people coming and going? Uh, for a few months, we have like people back and forth, but it was like a couple months we have like I'm unstable with those people mm -hmm. but after that we're doing better mm -hmm. yeah and, and something that i learned from larry and from the meeting in texas is like if be like a consistent milking on time all the time be very good with the cows don't have overcrowding cows so all this help to to control the mastitis and the somatic cell counts well every time do we have changes a little difficult for everybody but mm -hmm. What kind of bedding do you use in your freestalls? We use like uh, a wood bedding. Uh, your farm you recently received an award from the National Mastitis Council. Congratulations. How did your farm qualify for this award? And what did everybody think when they heard about it on the farm? All team was very happy. They are a very special team. They are very proud of their, their self because uh, we try work like as a team all the time and everybody understand the protocols and everybody try follow the, and how say Mr. Larry, you know, like everybody, a, a different people milking cows, they they milk a little different, but also we try to the, go the same way. Larry, what, did you, what was your reaction to receiving that award? When Mary and Ellen and I were looking at numbers one day, of course we, we monitored the, our numbers daily. That's one thing when we developed this program that we had to do, we had to monitor what what we were actually getting for somatic cell counts and quality. Mary Ellen said, you know, numbers were good enough to qualify for this award. We ought to, we ought to try and get it. So she nominated us and I was okay. You know, uh, I think we tried this award maybe four years ago and we actually got an honorable mention for it. So I remember saying back then to both Mary Ellen and Dr. Coco that 
I really wanted to try again and not just to try to achieve the award or, or receive the award. That was my goal. My goal was to, to let our workers know that the job they were doing really was nationally just observed, you know. And, right. and so when Mary Ellen said that we were at the gold level at award, I was very happy with that. And yeah. the first thing I wanted to do was tell the guys, but then Mary Ellen, we had a management meeting and she informed all of our farm workers and all of our advisors at that same time. We have an annual meeting every year with all of our, our advisors and farm workers just to kind of summarize the year and plan goal plan for next year. That's when it was announced and everyone was extremely happy with it. Oh, I'm so. sure. Well, that's great. Yeah, when when a whole team can can meet a goal like that, that's really great. Mary Ellen, you you're the nominator here. So, what did you see in the farm that you felt you know that the numbers were good? But what else was going on on the farm that you thought was recognizable? The very obvious difference to me with Flightland Farms is that every single day they're focusing on milk quality. Mm. A lot of farms I work with, you know, look at, at near the end of the month to see what their premium level is going to be. And then, oh, we're above where we should be. We got to do something now or only look at it when their milk inspector calls them and says, look, you're close to 400. We're not going to pick up your milk anymore. And that's not the case with Lightland. They, they focus on milk quality every single day. They're looking at their tank sample results. They're, if it starts to creep up to 75,000 and the alarm bells go off and we start looking for different uh, areas where we can see what happened. And, and it's a it's a daily focus for them. And I think that's what sets them apart from other herds that struggle with milk quality because it's, um, they just focus on it every day. And that that's why I'm, I believe they are the top milk quality, deserve this award and, and have done very well with milk quality because of their constant, consistent attention every single day, 365 days a year to milk. So I guess that would be your first tip is to pay attention every day and, and stay with it. Any other tips that you have? Yeah, I think um, definitely using the records again. They're underutilized. So if they're on test, using those records to um, figure out where to focus, because I think some farms just have no idea where to even start. And that gives you a place of where to start and dive deeper into that area that needs attention. The other thing I think is that every case of mastitis is considered a financial loss. The quote I heard at NMC was $444 per case of mastitis per fresh cows. And I think farms are re reluctant to spend money on mastitis prevention because they see that as a loss. But in reality, every case of mastitis you have is a loss and money put into prevention should be seen as an investment. I think that's a a different concept that people don't always grasp. And I think that's, that really hit home. That was one thing they talked about over and over again at the lectures I went to the, at the mastitis conference, that putting money into mastitis prevention is an investment. Larry? Yeah. So um, there's a lot of things that people can do. I mean, cleanliness seems to be one big thing. I mean, even that should be done every day, regardless, you know, and develop consistency programs, protocols, and then making sure compliance is being done. I, I think sometimes, and I've talked with area dairy farmers enough that I've heard them saying, yeah, but that program doesn't work, but then they don't follow up on it either. So I think that has to be done. I agree with Ben, don't go alone, work with consultants and listen to them. 
Mm-hmm. It just seems like sometimes, and, and people spend, some uh, farms spend a lot of money on consultants, but then they don't follow the advice. So right. I think that's what's got to happen. Also, the last thing that you got to have the people in place. Mm-hmm. When you have a parlor manager like Ben here, uh, does a great job for me. And he's like family to us because he has the same goals as I do. He wants his farm to succeed. I think that makes a difference. And then they have a, a team, especially our vet, uh, Dr. Coco, and and last but not least, Mary Ellen. I mean, yeah, we wouldn't have done this without them. Can I add one more thing? Sure, I think absolutely. One, one important thing that people tend to overlook in terms of milk quality and, and financial gain, um, they always focus on the premiums that are given from their co-op uh, by achieving the next level. But there's also another financial gain in terms of milk production increases the lower mm-hmm. somatic cell um, you can get at the higher milk production and that's it's kind of uh, subjective and sometimes hard to put dollar values on that but I think that's equally important to have healthy cows making the highest level of milk that they can at the lowest somatic cell so that's another perk for getting mm-hmm. the bulk tank somatic cell down and I'd also like to add one more thing sorry uh, okay. I think that uh, Larry and Benha talk about consultants and you know I, I I'm aware of the fact that a lot of consultants go into a lot of places, but it also, for farms, they have to be open-minded and, and be willing to listen to different ideas and to expect change. You have to be willing to do some different things on your farm. And there's a lot of farms that I've you know worked with that are just not willing to make those changes and they don't see the progress. So I think Lightfoot's really have embraced change and are open-minded to listening to new ideas and willing to try it. Um, they don't all work out, but they're willing to try it. And, um, and I think that's important for farms to know, to be open-minded and be willing to try some new ideas that they haven't before. One thing that I, I forgot to ask you, and, and I'm, I'm not sure who wants to answer this question, but do you, uh, this is, goes back to kind of a detail, particular thing, in addition to cleanliness and protocols and that kind of thing, what about your first calf heifer programs and your dry cow programs? Is there anything special that you do there to avoid mastitis problems? That's the one thing we're working on right now. And it's a goal that we've kind of set for this year to try and figure out what to do with it. We're actually in a facility that has calving pens made for a 500 cow herd. And we're milking 750 cows. So... It's very stressed out. The calving pen is very stressed out and it kind of hurts a little bit on the first calf heifers freshening to where it might be messier and not as clean as we'd like to see it just because of pressure from right. calvings. That's one goal we're trying to work on this year. Not sure how we're going to do it. Uh, we're, we're trying different things. Um, we're using a lot more bedding than we thought we were in, we were going to. And we're also trying to clean that that pen uh, more frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, I think it's that is just kind of a short term. And I think in the long term, we're going to have to develop some facilities, more facilities for cabin. Before they're freshening transition cows, are you doing anything special there or have any tips? When we dry cows off, I think we overdo it a little bit, but we've only had one dry cow mastitis in the last four years. I don't think, maybe it isn't, but we used a blanket coverage dry cow treatment therapy, and then we use a teat sealant, and then we use an external teat sealant, 
And then we vaccinate with an E. coli vaccine. Mm. Then we try to keep the dry cow cleaned and well bedded as much as the milking cow group is. Mm -hmm. And also the far off group is never overcrowded. So I think that makes a difference for the dry cows, but it's where we have the most problems with the fresh cows. Sure. There's been at National Mass Science Council down in Texas, they talk about selective dry cow treatment therapy. For us, I don't really want to switch programs right in the middle of a success, but if it comes down to it, we'll develop a plan. We just won't go and do it willy-nilly. We'll, we'll develop a plan for it and do it that way. But for now, we're doing just doing blanket dry cow treatment therapy. The other important thing I think that Lightland Farm is really good is working with their nutritionists and making sure that they have optimal uh, vitamins, selenium, zinc, copper, the minerals that support immune function. I learned quite a bit about that at the National Mastitis Conference and looking at the farm and the cow as a whole and making sure that we have optimal um, immunity levels at those times of stress where their intakes are down and the inflammation and susceptibility to getting mastitis is up. So I think, again, back to the team concept, having the vet and the nutritionist involved, really, you can't do it with just one part of it. We've talked about a lot of different things today about one, uh, about the topic of mastitis. Just one last thing for me. I I mean, I appreciate everyone that works there and and does things. And we've tried to explain to the workers, this this isn't really, winning the award isn't really a a destination that's part of the journey. Uh, We've still got some things to do and and don't take your foot off the gas pedal so much, you know, because (laughs) of that. It's great to win the award. And and we had actually a pizza party for our workers to kind of celebrate. But now we're on to the next project, you know, and right. uh, just keep making uh, great quality milk. Uh, the only thing I wanted to add was I, I think farms uh, like Lightland Farms work the hardest to keep their somatic cell less than 100,000. And I, I see those farms working harder um, consistently at it than some farms that are at 400,000 or higher. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's a lot of work, um, but it's worth the reward and benefits the cow and the farm. Well, and and I'm going to guess if you've had this much success with keeping mastitis away, that that there the other parts of this farm run very very well too. So I think it's important that people realize that uh, there are a lot of things that that dairy farmers keep track of and and do very, very well in order to bring a quality product. So thank you everybody for for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. And I I appreciate the team that you've developed at Lightland Farms and the work that Mary Ellen has done with you. That's really super. I'm Connie Cooper with Seal Pro Silage Barrier Film. I've been talking today with Mary Ellen Charter of Dairy One and with Larry Lightfoot and Ben Sanchez of Lightland Farms. Thank you very much again for listening to the Dairy Voice podcast by Dairy Business News. Please like and subscribe this podcast and I will see you all very soon.